The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, a report in the City Press yesterday talking about a provision that has been made to the ministerial handbook um, signed by the president. That is what the DA is saying has happened here that will enable ministers and deputy ministers to use unlimited amounts of water and electricity at their official residence. Of course, this comes as the majority of South Africans are facing incredible increases when it comes to their tariffs. You would know that um, ESCOM is currently before NURSA requesting a 32.66% increase in the price of electricity. Um, that is for the coming financial year. Busisipo Siobi is lead researcher in National Natural Resource Governance Program at the Good Governance Africa. Joins us now. Busisipo, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Morning, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Of course, it sounds unbelievable that some of the highest income earners in the country, which is by way of ministers and their deputies, may now be exempt from paying their own utilities bills. Mm, that is that is correct, uh, Kathy. I think it is actually critical to first understand how we found ourselves in, in this predicament um, in the first place of the energy crisis. And you would have seen that our initial research work on the energy crisis actually covers that historical context, which is very important to understand. Uh, this is especially because July this year alone marked the height of the state-owned electricity utility, ESCOM and its key functions. So it was very important for us to trace some of the historical events and, and developments around uh, ESCOM, one of them, of course, being the, the rapid pace of electrification um, in 1994 within our democratic government, which resulted in infrastructure and capacity constraints. So I want to provide that, that context before moving forward. And then moreover, we've seen that the much required energy crisis plan that was announced by our president in July this year shows that there is an understanding of the severity of our crisis, uh, energy crisis and how it affects the economy and the delivery of basic uh, services. And as part of these interventions included, you know, rationalizing of the cumbersome red tape, uh, the private sector investment in generation capacity, as well as to, you know, implement a program to incentivize the efficient use of, of power, for instance. So essentially, the plan is there. You know, we have a plan in place. And through the ministerial handbook amendment, um, that we've seen circulating in, in the news uh, yesterday around water and electricity, just I think creates more social discontent uh, and, and lack of trust and, and disappointment from the general public. Also, I think it's also important to note that in principle, we, we need to understand that these are state-owned houses and these are the benefits that, that come with, with the packages, mainly to retain people within within the public service. But of course, very important to consider in light of the energy crisis that we're considering and how we move forward with this particular amendment. If we are to take it in the context of the broader energy crisis this country is living in, of course, 
um, the ministers themselves are exempt from these power cuts because um, the estate where they live, the Bryantirian estate, does not get load shedding. Um, mm. Their personal residence, um, where requested, have also been equipped with generators so that they don't get load shedding. So ultimately, even though the majority of South Africans would have to live with the consequences of a failing ESCOM, these individuals are already shielded from that experience of load shedding. Mm, correct. I think, again, uh, Cathy, just to to highlight that, we, we need to understand that, you know, these are state-owned houses and these are the benefits that come with them. And also geographically where they're situated, um, you know, we can't have buildings such as the Union Building, for instance, um, affording to, to be located because it is considered as a national key point. So we need to understand that context as well. I also want to believe that our, our cabinet ministers are fully aware and understand the challenges you know, we face in light of this energy crisis. And I think in light of it, there should be better considerations and sensitivities around how we are ensuring that we understand the everyday lived reality for the ordinary South African and what we're currently experiencing with the load shedding. Is there a way of better balancing then, again, the context that the majority of South Africans are going through versus Mm -hmm. also the need to recognize that these are you know, ministers, as you are saying, and they're entitled to a certain benefits as part of those ministerial packages. Mm-hmm. Completely. Again, I want to highlight that, yes, this may create uh, further dis- uh, social discontent and and more so lack of trust and, and disappointment. What we believe in and is critical at, at this point is the importance of you know, improving governance performance. That is what matters. And good governance at that needs to be served. So by Good Governance Africa, we believe that good governance speaks to the authoritative allocation of resources. So essentially who gets what, when, and how. And I think that should be our focus of discussion and and, and building and moving and addressing our load shedding uh, crisis. Uh, So despite these privileges, that are given to our cabinet ministers. The bigger issue here is critical services such as public health care and the healthcare system overall being negatively affected by load shedding. So it creates this further social discontent and and distrust overall. So yes, there has been a push to to make sure that, for instance, hospitals are exempt from load shedding. And I think in our understanding, there's a tenth of them that are being exempt. So more efforts in this regard, despite these privileged provisions and perks that are given, but more efforts and provisions need to be made to ensure that critical services are not compromised, are not threatened, uh, such as healthcare, and are prioritized at, at all costs. And due to this, especially in light of this ministerial handbook amendment, better considerations and sensitivities should be made in light of the plight of the ordinary South African and what we're currently experiencing. So, so, so then what are you saying, Busisipo? Are you saying that the emphasis should be placed on the ability of these ministers to deliver on their jobs rather than, you know, on these what is seen as these increasing perks in their positions, despite the fact that there may be failures in some of their departments? 
Definitely. I think what needs to be prioritized here is the effectiveness and how they deliver the mandate and providing services, you know, such as electricity, of course. So again, it's about ensuring that there is an authoritative allocation of these resources, and that should be the focus. ESCOM is dealing with quite a big crisis on its hand right now. And again, despite these, these perks, what we need to be focusing on is how do we ensure as we address load shedding, as we address our energy prices, we prioritize critical services despite these perks being in place. So again, our public health care system has been compromised. This is a conversation we have. How do we ensure we are complete in spite of the current situation we're in? All right, Busisi Po, CEOB lead researcher in the National Resource Governance Program at Good Governance Africa. Thank you uh, for your time this morning.